0: Hey everybody, and welcome to The Deal Flow, a podcast hosted by Stream Realty Partners of San Diego. Here on the show, we interview some of the region's most influential players, taking a deep dive into the San Diego commercial real estate market. And now, to our host, Managing Director, Brett Morris. All right, welcome to the show today. Uh, Very special guest today from Dealey Development, we have Perry Dealey. Uh, Just very influential player in the development space of San Diego over the last uh, We'll refrain from seeing how many years but quite a few Um, and has been uh, influential in you know large projects like the uh, the Manchester Grand Hyatt and uh, The Convention Center right and and some others so we're going to talk today a little bit about You know Perry's experience here in San Diego some of the obstacles He's run into some of the great projects that he's developed and then kind of what he sees uh, in the future here for for San Diego uh, so if you wouldn't mind, Perry, just give us a, a brief overview of some of the, the more um, influential projects you've been privileged to work on here in San Diego.
1: Well, thanks, Brett. And it's, a, it's an honor to be here with you, um, you know, talking about my favorite subject, which is uh, both San Diego and downtown San Diego. I uh born and raised in Los Angeles, so I have, I've always had an affinity for the San Diego marketplace. My relatives have lived down here, so I've been coming down here my entire life. After uh, getting out of the Marine Corps, I went to college in North Carolina. Semper Fi, by the way. Semper Fi, and, uh, and then relocated uh, to, to San Diego in 1977. And I was fortunate to work for a big major uh, real estate developer that was focusing on office buildings. Uh, Pat Boland, uh, who just recently passed away, the owner of the Denver Broncos. But before he bought the Broncos, he had a, um, a large real estate development company that I headed up for him. Um, he was out of Edmonton, Canada, and so before he got the Broncos and relocated a lot of his business organization to the Southwest, I, I was fortunate to head that up. So we started off with a half million square feet uh, in downtown San Diego at a building called First Interstate Plaza. It's now Wells Fargo Plaza, and that was built in 1981-82. And that project, um, 83 actually, but that project was um, half a million square feet of Class A office. We had uh, Gray Carey, uh, Ames and Fry, the law firm that we did a 25% equity position with to get them to pre-lease it, to allow our financing to come into play. So that was was my introduction into the commercial real estate in San Diego County. And, And over the years, I've been fortunate to have been involved in about a million square feet of built, completed, projects in, in the city, and another million square feet um, in the southwest. And currently, I've got about um, a million um, uh, two square feet down at the Manchester Pacific Gateway in the waterfront. So I've got a lot of strong history with uh, Class A office. It's been a tough focus because uh, we have kind of an interesting dynamic in our, our city and region. A lot of the Absorption historically in Class A has not been downtown, but with the emergence in the last 10 years or so of the technology boom and the pricing that, that we can now offer for, for San Diego brand new Class A office, we're very competitive with a lot of the high tech companies that want to expand out of uh, San Francisco, Seattle, um, and want to relocate into downtown from the suburbs. So we're very positive and optimistic that we've got a good future for office. Um, as I said, we've got uh, you know about a million two that we're in construction on. Um, my history downtown also. I've been uh, fortunate enough to be involved in community groups, uh, political action groups, politics, but more importantly, big projects. Matter of fact, that's always been my weakness, as I've been a big project junkie. And I started my business as a uh, 1992 uh, my own business, Dealey development as a focus in uh, public private. And at the time there was not much, uh, it was a recession. So there wasn't much uh, demand for private development. So I started to focus on large scale public uh, competitions using my private sector experience. And I was fortunate to win quite a few big uh, state and local contracts the biggest of which was expanding the San Diego Convention Center where I teamed up with um, Turner Construction and HNTB Architects. We won that contract and uh, that, that that was really kind of, I think, um, a great addition for not only the hospitality industry, but for rejuvenating downtown with that extra amount of tourism and business focus that we now have in our, our waterfront in our downtown. So, very positive, very optimistic. There's a lot going on in our city right now. And I think that we're definitely on the radar with uh, a lot of the national, international uh, marketplace in terms of the investments. And uh, and uh, hopefully the office uh, demand will, will follow.
0: Yeah, so that's a good overview. And, and maybe you can deep dig in a little deeper on all these P3s that you've done. So, uh, you know, all the Portland, uh, the Grand Hyatt, uh, the Manchester Grand Hyatt, um, and you, were you on the, uh, the Marriott project with them as well? or and, and so working with the port and now working with the Navy and working with the city and, and the different municipalities and some of the challenges and obstacles you've run into in, in doing that.
1: Well, uh, you know, there's no um, um, nirvana. You go into the public sector and you have your own set of unique complexities and, uh, and barriers. There's a lot of red tape, a lot of politics. But the good thing is when they go forward, they usually have the financing and they can get the approvals uh, once they get the green light to put the project out for, for, um, for public uh, competition. So I've, I've um, competed on a couple of projects with the Port of San Diego's. I, I was hired to uh, master plan the uh, airport uh, a number of years ago. I w- as we mentioned, uh, phase two of the convention center. I was also hired with phase three of the convention center city of chula vista and the port hired me to do the entitlements for the gaylord waterfront project in uh, chula vista so that was a good uh, two-year project where i took it all the way through entitlements Um, i was hired by the state of california to do the caltrans uh, master plan in old town that that building's been uh, completed for about six years now and i've done like the county water authority sheriff station up in fallbrook for the county Um, so overall quite a few good opportunities. Uh, Also expanded the um, Qualcomm Stadium when they added 10,000 seats, so the city hired me to oversee that on their behalf, working with the city manager and the mayor's office, so all of that uh, helps both in terms of um, sustainability and getting a good track record. Once you get qualified for all those projects, you got a little bit of an incentive, but the, the relationships you build when you're in the public sector, then you can take that back into the private sector. When, you, when, you, when the market's uh, better and like it is now, when we've, we've got a lot of uh, uh, coordination that we do regularly with, uh, with the public sector. I, I work with the Port of San Diego, State Water Control, County Environmental, uh, and of course the City of San Diego. But as, as the Navy Broadway complex, uh, it, it, it really isn't a P3, per se, but it, it has uh, public-private uh, characteristics to it. It, it, it focuses, um, it, it, the original RFP was to build the Navy, their new headquarters, and then you were able to get seven downtown blocks um, for 99 years for a dollar a year. But you had to pay for their Class A office building, which is about $200 million. So we had to have a little bit of um, optimism and a little bit of uh, belief that the, that the, um, the market would be good. but when you have the eight best undeveloped blocks on the west coast of the United States right on the waterfront part of the central business district, we thought that was a good um, a good strategy and a good position for us to um, to pursue and and we did we won it
0: yeah, absolutely. And now it's, it looks like a beautiful project coming out of the ground.
1: Well, we're building the Navy building, and that's uh, that's topped out in steel, and the skin's going up, and we'll have that completed uh, towards the end of next year. In the meantime, we've got um, another um, seven blocks that, that we've got in various stages of development, and we're, um, we're doing some pre-leasing for the office and the retail, and the marketplace for the retail is off the charts, home run. Yeah. Parking demand in that location. We wish we would have had more parking in the in the project, but we were capped because the parking revenue is is as good as any when you have a you know a couple of million square feet of mixed use projects.
0: Right. No, it's a it's a beautiful project that is really going to be part of this transformation of downtown, and uh, you know part of the, probably the most beautiful and, and most critical part of the city as far as a a piece of real estate goes of the, you know, 3 million square feet of new office coming to the market. So we're excited to see that and, um, you know, commend you and and the Manchester team for, you know, having the diligence to go through the last 10 years plus of, um, you know, lawsuits and CEQA and getting this thing off the ground, because I think it's going to be very transformational for the city. I was hoping that maybe you could uh, tell us a little bit about your military background, being a Marine myself, you know, it's very, um, interesting to me to, to see how you've kind of taken those skills that you probably learned in the military, maybe you didn't even know at the time, but taken those forward and uh, had thick skin going through a lot of the development process.
1: Well, <clears throat> growing up in LA in the 60s, uh, I graduated from high school in 64, and Vietnam was just barely a blimp on the radar. And um, we were aware of it, but there wasn't any controversy per se. It was just in the early stages of, uh, of making that a commitment from the United States to put uh, resources and troops over in Southeast Asia. So, you know, growing up with my, um, my grandfathers, both of them were in World War I. My dad was in World War II. My uncle was in Korea. So, growing up, you know, back in, in the you know late 50s and early 60s, you know, you played war games and, you know, it was patriotic. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even a second thought. So, when Vietnam came along, you know, I was not really uh, directed anywhere particular. I wasn't doing well in school because I didn't care. I was surfing and, you know, hanging out, not, not really focused on, on, on the future. But that intrigued me to join the Marine Corps. So, I joined the Marine Corps in 66. Um, and then, um, enlisted before I, you know, as I mentioned, I really wasn't focused on academics and about, um, about two hours after I got off the bus at MCRD, uh, as an enlisted, uh, recruit, I realized i had made a big mistake
0: well, Was it at least in San Diego. <laughs> yeah, it was in San Diego, but you couldn't escape once you're in, you're
1: yeah. in, but, but the, the greatest thing about that is that you had discipline, you, they, they taught you pride, they taught you leadership, and they taught you, I think, commitment. And and um, so that, that carried forward through the enlistment, and then I volunteered to go to Vietnam. Fortunately, well, not fortunately. As it turned out, I, I had a uh, MOS, which is uh, your your job title, almost 2542, and I had a top-secret clearance. They didn't need a lot of those kind of guys in Vietnam. They wanted 0311s, which are uh, basic Infantry, infantrymen, yeah. and, or 0800, which is artillery, or, the, you know— the guys that were out there fighting the war, that's who they needed. And um, so I got sent back East. I went to Europe on war exercises and it looked like I wasn't going to have to go to Vietnam, but all my buddies that I went to high school with that we joined together went directly over to Vietnam. If I didn't find a way to get over there, I could have never come back. So I volunteered to go to Vietnam uh, and uh, went over there. And obviously anybody that's gone into some kind of a combat location um, it's, it, you know, it, it changes you, I think forever as well, but not only being in the military and in the Marine Corps, but, um, but getting that exposure gave me a, gave me an opportunity to really come back and be focused. So I went to college after that and kicked ass and went through that. And, uh, but, but the military to me, especially in the Marine Corps was, uh, was something that, uh, I think, um, h- helped define who I am today.
0: Great. And, you know, moving forward in the next 15 years, what do you see for San Diego? What trends do you predict and where is, uh, you know, I, I, with all the momentum coming downtown, that's probably a, an easy uh, layup answer here. But, you know, what what do you see for downtown? What do you see for the region and, and what industries are going to be pushing that?
1: Well, as you, it, I think as a lot of us know, the, um, the key drivers, the economic drivers of not only downtown San Diego, but the region is one. And first and foremost, it's military. We're, we have the biggest concentration. We have the largest uh, navy port. We have uh, a lot of marine um, assets stationed in the in the region. And as importantly, we're big defense contractor. So between the defense contractor and the military, we are th- That's our biggest economic driver for the region. It, it's always has been, and it currently uh, will it is today. And as we project ahead that's gonna be a big big uh, demand factor for anybody that's involved with that. And of course, it's not just the military per se, it's people that that are hired, you know, uh, lawyers, accountants, uh, business people of all types that work uh, in and around military or defense contractors, That's, that's part of our demand factor. The second biggest driver is tourism. And we have a very unique and wonderful location and proximity not only in the united states but in the globe because we have the best year-round weather we're proximity to mexico uh and la so we we have kind of a nice niche here and we've we've got a good infrastructure with biotech and smart tech and clean tech so we've got that infrastructure continuing to grow and evolve we're not silicon valley but with companies like qualcomm and other big pharmaceutical uh, companies uh, some of those are startup right here in San Diego and Qualcomm's, you know, uh, top ten uh, globally in what they do. and they 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 were just an incubator here in San Diego when they started. so we we feel like all of those elements will continue to grow and evolve. We have a great educational infrastructure in the region. that's that's going to help uh, provide the workforce, which uh, will re- which will reinforce, I think, the demand. For technology companies, because um, you know that, that that's a big uh, shortfall in some parts of the country, they don't have a, a good, strong, trained technology workforce. So, very positive, I think, as we look forward, and in ten years, and you look back ten years down the road, and and you're going to see a huge transformation in downtown in the region because this is in California, especially, we're the best place left to, to grow and develop. San Francisco is pretty much priced out of the market. Mm-hmm. L.A. is L.A. You know, you, It's just a big, giant sprawl, and it's not fun or, or a good place to live. But uh, San Diego's got all those elements, and it's a great place to live.
0: Yeah, and I think you touched on an important point there with with DOD. Obviously, it's a big driver. You know, some estimates up to 20% of our economy is, is directly and indirectly from defense. And I think that we've been lucky in some regards, but strategic in others, to get the two biggest growing sectors of DoD with drone programs and cyber, both of which have a huge presence here in San Diego. So I think you're spot on that that will continue to grow and not only the ships that are parked in our, our port, but also the uh, the cyber and the drone programs that just happen to be here in San Diego. Um, what have you seen as a lot of cranes are going up in construction, uh, steel prices have gone up, tariffs, you know, where have construction costs Gone and in prices of architects and GCs, and, and how is that impacting future development and current development uh, regionally?
1: Well, we're not um, isolated, nor are we unique in that, because um, all the co- all the construction materials, for example, are based on national demand, and um, you know, as as inflation kicks in, as we get um, uh, complexities with uh, um, tariffs and things like that. Um, the construction costs continue to go up. Labor is is uh, another uh, part of the construction, and that 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 ticks up uh, as well. That's more local based in terms of the cost for the labor. But uh, overall, you you can you do see a continuing increase in price. So you've got to make sure the income stream for your leases and and your market for uh, other uh, uh, aspects of your pro forma are reflective of of uh, having the pricing continue to, to rise. And I think. That balance of price increases for construction and all of that coupled with uh, income for your product uh, bodes well for the future. I, th- I think our hospitality is uh, continues to be very strong because of our tourism, especially downtown on the waterfront. And we're, we're about ready to expand the convention center one more time. That, that's very positive. And I think that, um, that you just have to make sure that your, your, your income stream is there because costs will continue to go up.
0: Right, and you think that directly relates to uh, rent prices continuing to grow at kind of a, above normal paces?
1: Well, I, when you say normal, I mean you know we, the, the downtown hasn't really had a a, a strong, you know, new new product in in quite a few years. I think the last one was um,
0: 2005, and well, Block D just went up, but before that, really was 2005 for yeah. for multi tenant
1: you know. ballpark village, and you know the. Um, and that one did well i'll have to i'll have to admit but uh but there hasn't been a lot of other the class a right now is 20 30 years old right. and it's do it's doing well but but you got to look at the at what the brand new class a is going to be required to get the revenue to justify the cost and um i think uh you know the new kilroy project downtown they're going to be uh, north of uh, uh you know five six bucks yeah. the, the new project that um that's being built up uh, in Delmar Heights. One Paseo. One Paseo. And
0: that leased up quickly at really high rents.
1: Yeah, the highest rents in the history of the of the city. So I think if you got the right product and um, you you do all the right, um, you know, uh, combination of amenities and location and all of that, the rents will be there.
0: Yeah. And that's a good point to bring up that, you know, a lot of the, the 1990s, 80s vintage Class A office is just that. It's an office tower. Maybe you have a restaurant or a coffee shop in the the lobby, but that's kind of the extent of the amenity base for retail. But kind of looking at the One Paseo Project or Manchester Pacific Gateway and how you're integrating in a true retail component or an experiential component, kind of how is that when you guys are talking about new development and, and the Manchester Project specifically, how has that impacted the direction you've gone?
1: well it's a huge part i think of where the country is going you look at the big projects in all big cities and they're 100% compo- you know mixed use and provide uh, substantial amenities and you you, you got to make it lifestyle based and so especially in a downtown environment if you have well, like for example our pacific gateway project manchester pacific gateway we've got about 250 to 300,000 square feet of Phenomenal retail. It's not just your traditional urban retail. We wanted to go with a combination of entertainment, um, you know, culture, uh, your traditional inline retail, along with phenomenal world-class restaurants, and 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 do a mix of that. So it's so it's equally spaced throughout all eight blocks, and I think that's been very attractive as we're looking at uh, office leasing. That's a strong selling point. We're, we we plan on having a huge major health uh, club environment in the in the project. We're right on the waterfront, so we've got all of the existing waterfront amenities for daytime activity. So you can go out and hike and bike and, and um, jog and all that stuff, uh, plus, plus the activity that we have in the building. So I think for a class A office tenant in, a, in an environment like we have is going to be um, something that you're going to see more of in, in, in our city, but, but you definitely are seeing it around the country. That's in yards and places like that. And
0: as we travel around and look at development projects, that's the key component of of really successful projects and high rents in the office is the amenity base below. So you can sign us up for a space right now.
1: Got it. You're on the list.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, you know, that's kind of where my list of questions, you know, ended. But if you have any other stuff, you know, specific to San Diego real estate and development, we'd be uh, honored to, to hear any insights you have.
1: Well, only only that um, the politics um, really are, are always a, a challenge when you're going to invest substantial amounts of dollars, and the larger the project, the more capital you need, which limits the uh, where it's coming from. And a city like San Diego, which has a great future um, and and uh, it's expanding its uh, infrastructure, so that we haven't been considered a gateway city. And when you do mega projects the mega capital required looks at gateway cities as their first priority, which is Chicago, New York, San Francisco, you know, Seattle, uh, cities like that. But we are, we are one tier below. And as we get on the radar, we're actually probably from an investment standpoint, right where, right where these companies need to be to place their money. So in that regard, the politics are good. I think the um, the future looks good for the getting the large global uh, investment companies coming in. So I'm v- I'm very bullish and optimistic.
0: And, you know, in that vein, what would you tell Barbara or Todd as they come into, you know, offices of the mayor or, or another candidate maybe that hasn't come up? Um, you know, what's the, what, what incentives do we need? What do we need to push the agenda to get some of these companies to come into San Diego and downtown?
1: Well, the biggest drawback right now is uh, workforce housing, and unless um, our elected officials in the state can can uh, uh, get their act together and come up with um, incentives and programs and cost bases that encourage um, the private residential developers to, to start building more, that's going to be a, a, a negative in terms of getting businesses to come down here that relocate or to expand because if you if you can't you don't have a place for your workforce that's that's cost effective. Now we're not talking about Low income. We're talking about workforce housing, mm-hmm. so it's it's not subsidized. But we need to get incentives to get increased density, and and expedite the um, the entitlement and uh, approval process, because if it gets caught up in litigation, that's going to scare people away, and they're not going to want to come into uh, the into the San Diego marketplace.
0: Right. And and do you see that as more of a state or Sequoia issue or a, a local issue?
1: Well, it's both. It's obviously state-based, but we're getting we're seeing our city and our mayor, uh, current mayor Kevin Faulkner has been very positive and been a leader in trying to help reform this. And I think at the state level, it's it's a crisis, so the state is is embracing this as well. So I, I think they got their arms around trying to get get more incentives to help uh, provide more product at a, at a a good good cost basis. Uh, but it just taken a little time.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for joining us today, Perry. It's been a, a great little segment on uh, downtown development and San Diego regional development. I appreciate your time.
1: Brett, thank you for doing this, big guy.
0: All right, simplify. Fi. Semper Fi.